0: Hello, everybody.
1: Welcome. Welcome to the debut episode of Chloe Across America. And I am Chloe. Um, I can see everybody. We are live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. And unfortunately, we are having some technical issues on Instagram. So if you can tell a friend to tell a friend to join us here, I greatly appreciate it. Tonight, we're going to talk about so many things, which is Why I started this show. Um, If you don't know anything about me, I am a Brooklyn, New York native. I am a former journalist turned stand-up comedian and now book author. And I live in Bed Stuy. So if you hear a loud noise, that is not gunshots; those are fireworks because Black people are very patriotic. Um, So the reason why I started this show is because there's so much going on in the world. And when I became a journalist many, many years ago, my goal, my mission was to always amplify voices. And even as a comedian, I've always wanted to amplify voices. And so I wanted to tell stories that aren't being told. I wanted to uh, represent people that you may not see often. And so because of circumstances, shout out to COVID and being in the house, now I'm in a position to create the show that I want to see. And I think a lot of times we talk about lack of diversity and inclusion, but now because of the great technology that we are afforded, we can kind of close that gap and that divide. And I think that is also what is happening with everything that's going on in the world. And I don't want to get like, too preachy because this is an organic show, but I just wanted us to really have a platform where we can have conversations because there's so much changing on in the world. And I think a lot of times we hear buzzwords, we hear, you know, divisive or inclusion or intersection intersectionality. Uh, and we don't really know what that means. Anti-fa, which is anti-fascism, which we will talk about on another episode. And so I just want to um welcome everybody who's watching. Again, I need to apologize. We are not streaming on Instagram live, but if you have a friend who wanted to watch, please tell them to come here and tune in. Um, And we're going to get the show rolling. I wanted to talk about some headlines because that's me. I'm a journalist in my heart of hearts. And I woke up this morning so excited and so just hopeful and optimistic. And I don't know if that was me or if it was because I got to see this on my timeline this morning. Can we get into this, please, ladies and gentlemen? Can we get into this? Shout out to the Dems for doing the most. Now, I know this is hard times. Okay. I know that we're going through a lot but I did not know that my tax paying dollars were being funneled into the Kente cloth acquisitions of the house Dems. Can we just, first of all, I just want y'all to understand that when I saw this photo, I was like, Oh my God, did they invite sounds of blackness into Capitol Hill to like pray over black lives matter. And then I just saw, it was like, old folks trying to get down on their knee. Now, I want y'all to understand the history of kente cloth, okay? Let's just, I want you to, I want us to really get into kente cloth, okay? Kente cloth is, or was, because it's been defaced now. Kente cloth was a royal fabric worn in Ghana by the Ashanti people, right? And you didn't wear it. Like, you couldn't just go to the local seamstress or fabric maker and be like, yo, let me get some kente cloth. It was like, no, 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 no. This is for royalty, okay? Royalty only. And then now... Fast forward to 2020, everybody, when they want to tap into some blackness, they just pull up some Kente cloth. And the other thing about Kente cloth is like, I also thought maybe this was like a, a pre-K step up program. Because, you know, they love putting little black kids in Kente cloth when they step up from preschool juice boxes to kindergarten apps. So I was like, oh, it's going to be kids in the future. And it was like, no, it was just our old politicians. And this is the thing about the whole Kente cloth thing. It's a gag. It's a hoot. but. It is also taking away from the real conversation that we need to have, which is that this government needs to do more when it comes to people of color, black people being oppressed and being abused. And also, don't let this kente cloth fool you. okay? don't let this kente cloth cloud your mind. This is listen, this is very serious, y'all black folks. We have to stop inviting people to the cookout. OK, no more cookouts, no more cookout invitations, no more cookout invitations. I don't know if I want to make it a bumper sticker, maybe make it a kente cloth bumper sticker. No more cookout. There is an embargo on cookout invitations until we get things fixed. OK, so shout out to Nancy and them for putting on the kente cloth. But we need some real movement happen. Not to mention. OK, not to mention Lynching is still not a federal offense. How is lynching still? I heard her say that at the press conference, and I'm like, how is lynching not a federal offense? It's not a federal hate crime. Like, first of all, lynching is now now was like 50 years late. Like, that's like saying we putting a ban on milkmen. Who the fuck is using milkmen? It's 2020. Like, yes, you should have been had that on the books. Sorry, I'm getting riled up. It's my first show. I gotta, I gotta. Take it down a notch. Thank you to all people in the comments. I can see you in the comments. Feel free to comment. I can bring you up here so we can see y'all. I appreciate each and every one of you. Again, this is my debut episode of Chloe Across America. And unfortunately, because of tech issues, we are not streaming on IG Live. So please tell a friend to tell a friend to tune in on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. That was story number one. Um, Nancy and M gotta do better. Um, Is wearing kente cloth a uh, culture appropriation or are we going to allow it because we want long overdue changes to society? I don't know. Uh, is, is there a footnote? Is there like a little star where like, oh, that was OK appropriation because, you know, we know your heart was in the right place? I I don't know. I don't know. Wait, someone said. Angela Daniels said, this is off color, but I hate to say it, this is actually progress. Angela, what is the progress? What is the progress that they opened up the Kente cloth shop in D.C. in phase one and they allowed them to buy Kente cloth in bulk so that the old fogey politicians can wear it so they can act like they give a damn about black people? Is that the progress we're talking about? I, I'm just asking the question because I'm confused. I'm confused. I love you, Angela. I mean, Angel. Um, I'm just, I just wanted to know, is it appreciation or pro- I don't know, I don't know. Okay. Um, moving on to someone who played the fuck out of themselves. Oh, did I tell you that I'll be cursing on the show? Because I will be, I will be cursing on the show. Not a lot, but enough to let y'all know that it's real. All right, um, coming up next in the headline today, I saw this story and it just tickled me so because I actually follow a lot of those like Instagram fitness accounts and people are losing their mind because the president of CrossFit said something racist and now everybody is upset. And this is my thing. When you have a successful business, Greg Glassman is his name. When you have a successful business, all you have to do is shut your mouth. Okay. When we talk about oh athletes, all you need to do is dribble. No, we should say that about successful business people. All you have to do is just make your money, Greg. You didn't have to. First of all, what are you even doing on Twitter? If you don't know, he released the tweet and basically this is what he looks like. Let's just get into let's just get into Greg real quick. Can we just get into? I just want y'all to get into Greg. I mean, I'm gonna make him full screen. Hold on. Can we just get into Greg, Greg, Greg does not look like he knows how to flip a tire, let alone put air in a tire. So Greg, you fucked up. He posted a tweet that he basically called the situation that we have now coming out of COVID going into this social uprising as Floyd 19. So tacky, so off color he fucked up and now Reebok and so many other sponsors are dropping their partnerships with CrossFit, not to mention a lot of people who are franchisees of CrossFit. Because did you know that you had to like go through this whole rigmarole, put up this money to become a franchisee for CrossFit, did you know that? So now they're trying to look at their paperwork and see if they can like take CrossFit over it. But I don't even know what is the CrossFit name. Y'all are in there fixing trucks with no trucks. If you go to a CrossFit, it looks like an empty mechanics garage with no cars. Why are y'all paying to franchise that? Y'all could have just went to a blighted neighborhood and opened up a garage and opened up a gym. That's the equivalent of what CrossFit looks like. Um, He... De- listen Felicia he definitely cannot jump off a box or a curb I agree I absolutely agree but see that is that is let me let me just get to y'all let me let me talk to y'all um that is white privilege okay white privilege is buying into a program with a man who looks like Greg and thinking that that is the best fitness option that you have in the world we bought into it. Another sign of white privilege is him tweeting that, thinking that it was funny. Him tweeting Floyd 19, thinking that it's funny. That's our fault. It's our fault. Let me tell you why it's our fault. It's our fault because for far too long, we have entertained unfunny white men. That is white privilege. White privilege is laughing at a white man who you know is not funny because he's your landlord. He's your boss. Okay? He's your boss and your landlord. And then you end up sitting there being like, ha, 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 ha. he's so funny, gray. Ha, 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 ha. And he go about his day being like, I was killing it in the conference room. I hit him with that knock, knock joke, And they was like, yo, Greg, you killed it. That's our fault. We got to stop lying to white men. I want all of us to take a pledge. We got to stop lying to white men. It's our fault. It's our fault. So Greg, uh, I, 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 I don't know what the future holds for you, but I'm sure you have an offshore account somewhere in the Cayman Island and you will be fine. Okay. So, Greg, more power to you. Jump off a box. I don't know. Next up, next up on the headlines, what else do we have? Uh, now this one is a good story. I'm actually kind of happy about this one. This one make me feel like mm. so. Are you familiar with the woman? went viral because she did that song. Well, she didn't do the song. She got arrested and they turned it into a song and it was this whole thing about you're about to lose your job. I'm trying to find the image that I have of her. Did I did I close it? This is first. So let me tell you something. This is me doing everything myself. Okay. So this is very homegrown. All right. I'm at my I'm at my table in my apartment because I'm still social distancing uh, and I'm a comedian. So I am not in phase one. At all, at all, all right? And I'm mad that in order for me to find the version of this video of this woman being arrested so you can see her, because as soon as I show you, you're gonna know who I'm talking about. um, I have to go to James Woods' (laughs) Twitter account because he posted it. Let me see it. You about to lose your job. If she comes up. Oh, I don't want to play it. I Also, you can't play music because of copyright infringement, but I just want you to see this amazing woman because it's a good story. And that's why I want you to see her to see where she came from. All right. To see where she came from. Here we go. All right. So this woman. All right. We all know who she is, but we don't know her name. So let me let me say her name. Her name is Janiqua Charles. She's 27 years old. She's from South Carolina. And four months ago, around the time when this video was taken, she was arrested for some illegal stuff. I'm not going to throw her under the bus because this is a story about reform. And now she is clean and sober. She has reunited with her young son who was being taken care of with family members. A GoFundMe that was started by her sister now has over $40,000 in it. And she said that this whole experience has been a blessing in disguise. See? Yes. Y'all right. Life does come at you fast. But let me tell you something. You knew she was destined for greatness, okay? She was destined for greatness because she had her stomach out and she didn't give a goddamn. All right? If I ever could walk out with my stomach like that, nothing can stop me. Do you understand? Nothing can... Yes, Absolutely, the internet does change lives, Brooke. Absolutely. Her life is forever changed, right? Just like the uh the man who said,
0: uh, how'd your wife, how'd your kids? We think I feel like he's doing much better. Story. Let's get it. Um, All right, I just got to
1: address this really quickly because I wouldn't do my due diligence as um, a Black woman if I didn't um, call out shenanigans, all right? I just have, just really quick, just, this is going to be really quick, okay? I I promise y'all, it's going to be really, this going to be really quick. Really quickly, um, we just have to get him together. Can we have a moment of silence for Terry Crews? Can we just. Who can get him together? Who can gather him? Can we get sounds of blackness and some kente cloths into his house to get him together? If you don't know, he said a tweet that's basically being like if black people do or white people do, that's just black supremacy. In what world, Terry? In what world? Yeah, I know he's been canceled, but. He's not canceled until he takes his Twitter away. I need him to stop tweeting because the problem with Terry Crews is that he doubles down on the dumbness. Yes he, it, yeah, yes, he is definitely a lost cause. I 100% agree with you, but I need him to stop tweeting. Actually, you know what? It's not even that I need him to stop tweeting, okay? This is my appeal to, listen, I have the answer. When it comes to equality in the world, all right? We will not reach true equality until we live in a world where white people can say confidently and free of criticism that some black people are terrible. OK, and that's the problem that we have with Terry Cruz is that no white person is going to be like, yo, Terry, what are you what are you talking about? Because they don't want to be considered racist. We will not end racism until white people can say that black people are problematic and not be held up as a racist. There you go. That's your answer. That's the litmus test, right? That's a litmus test. When when a white person can be like, that black person's kind of weird or corny or whack, and nobody be like, that's racist. That's that's utopia. That is utopia. <laughs> all right. So I want to uh I want to conclude my headline segment of this evening. Um, I thank you all for um commenting and 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 laughing with me. Um, but I also want to have a real conversation, a serious conversation. And it brings me to what's happening in the world right now. Um, everything that's going on from George Floyd to Brianna Teller to Gregory Edwards um, is lighting the the candle on both ends. Right. And this country is doing with a lot of, uh, civil unrest and uprisings and the conversations that are coming out of it are actually very healing and long overdue. I just want to update you and I'm going to continue to update people. Um, just so you know, because this show is now on, it's going to be on every night, Monday through Thursday. And, um, I just want us to keep abreast because I think a lot of times in social media with headlines, things move so fast, but I want to use this platform as a way to like follow up on stories that kind of disappear from headlines. So of course, everybody knows that George Floyd um, his body was transported to Houston where um, Al Sharpton and Joe Biden seemed fit to visit and have a nice sharp casket suit wearing photo op with his family. I digress. Um, And they are letting 500 people in at a time with social distancing to view his, um, to view his, not his body, but to view his casket. And so hopefully that brings more people closure. And I will say this, I don't know who is behind the the George Floyd uh, funeral procession or event. I don't want to say event, but I, I, I want to uphold that person or those people and commend them because it's similar to what happened with Emmett Till right? And Emmett Till was a, a young boy who lived in Chicago. He went to visit family down in South Carolina who was beaten and drowned. And his mother was like, I want an open casket. I want the world to see what happened to my son. And I feel like this is reminiscent of that because we're still having the conversation. George Floyd has not withered into obscurity as a, a list goes on of all the people who, who we've lost. And them doing this is kind of like, Showing us that we have to keep fighting, right? Unfortunately, when it comes to Breonna Taylor, no arrests have been made in her murder, her senseless murder at the hands of several police officers. However, in Louisville, they have just now charged three people with looting and rioting during a Breonna Taylor protest. It's fucked up. And now we have a new name to add to the cause. His name is Gregory Edwards. He's a veteran father married man who passed away or was murdered at the hands of police. And there's a video that is circulating of his arrest in his chokehold and being beat up by police. I have not watched it because I need to protect my peace. If you choose to watch it, more power to you, but I want us to stop trading in trauma porn. And that brings us to the conversation that we want to have today. I'm so glad and so happy that these people agreed to join me so we can have this conversation. What does defund the police mean? I would like to bring first up, um, I'm adding to the stream. Get ready, girl. Get ready, girl. Uh, Elsa. Elsa Waite. Elsa is a comedian, instructor in comedy. She is also a longtime social activist and a dear friend of mine, who I adore. She's brilliant. Um, Next up, we have Michelle Johnson. Michelle Johnson is a longtime friend of mine as well. Um, She is a attorney with 15 years of experience. And prior to that, she was a, well, including that, sorry, she was a assistant district attorney in the Bronx for four and a half years, where she dealt with a lot of black and brown people in the, in the criminal justice system. And last but not least, we have Mr. Ty Pope. Ty Pope is a retired law officer of 20 years, 20 years with the NYPD, and he is now a criminal justice professor and a social justice advocate. Thank you all for joining me this evening. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having us, Chloe. Thank, Thank you. you. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you. So I wanted to have this conversation about what does it mean to defund police? I am not a criminal justice of uh, expert but i know when i hear defund police what it means to me is decrease the budgets that cities or or principalities are dedicating to police officers and maybe we can go around um elsa i'd like to start with you what is your interpretation of defund police uh
2: first thanks for having me uh i've been uh In the the Black Lives Matter movement, for uh, about as long as it's been a part of our cultural consciousness, you know, maybe about four or five years now. Um, And my position over time has moved from uh, that the police need reforms uh, to uh, where most people are currently at at fun, but ultimately. I would like to see uh, the abolishment of what we understand as police and policing. But incrementally, we could start with defunding the police. And what what I mean and what other people mean by defunding the police is that uh, policing as we experience it right now is expensive and um, ineffective. And uh, dangerous for both uh, the civilian, uh, the your your random Joe, uh, and for the uh, average police officer. Um, And so, if we're spending too much on something that's not that's clearly not working, uh, clearly has uh, uh, disparities um, to the point of tragedy. Uh, we have to. We have to do something different. You wouldn't keep giving uh, an employee a raise who was, you know, fucking up at work every single day, <laughs> you know. So um, I would hope eventually that we could get to the place where we don't need the police as as they exist now. But uh, hopefully we can take this moment now to start to understand and reimagine. Uh, what we can do?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I'm glad that we can have this conversation because I think it means so many different things. And the fact that you even said that you've changed your mind from because I remember having a conversation with you, Elsa, a couple years ago, maybe about three or four years ago, and I asked you like, "What does it mean about police?" You was like,
2: "Get the fuck out of here!" Like we don't. Oh, no, need no, no, no I still <laughs> feel exactly that same exact way. I feel exactly the same exact way that um, we do not need the police uh, in the way that they exist at all. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of alternatives. We just have to start to open our minds to it, you know? Uh, The average police officer has six months of training. Um, That person should not be showing up to a mental health crisis. That person probably should not be showing up to, you know, a, a domestic situation. You know, we should have we we should have, and we do have alternatives. And what that does is, you send somebody in with the hammer, and everything's a nail. And I, you know, and I understand how uh, a police officer would not understand that situation, fuck around, and possibly shoot and kill somebody. Yeah, it happened. It clearly happens. These yeah. are not
1: hypotheticals. And so now I want to go to Ty because I feel like. The flow of this is perfect. So we have Elsa who is on the grounds, a grassroots activist who strongly believes that we should defund and eventually abolish the police as in the way that we have been utilizing them. And then next I want to pivot to Ty Pope, who is a 20 year NYPD veteran, because I feel like it starts with people like Elsa who are on the ground and who have to deal with real life circumstances. And then the next step in that is, is the NYP or the police who step into these situations in, in these environments. And Elsa raised a good point saying that, you know, estimated training time for a police officer is about six months. And so high in your experience 20 years in, do you think that the police force prepared you for real life activity? Or do you think that you were trained to be an excessive force instead of an understanding or compassionate force?
0: Well, I don't think the police trained me to be, you know, um as you say, excessive or anything like that. I say real life training prepared to, um, you know, survive in the police department because you got to, yeah, think about it. You know, the police department, you know, consists of a lot of things. You know, a lot of people uh, involved in it. Um, you know, I say that. You know, I believe that. You know, being in the police department and the members of the police department should reflect the people of the community. You know that they're policing. You know, um, you know, you know. I come from the South Bronx, born and raised. You know, the first thing that um happened to me when when I got in the police department my grandmother was like listen you know you take that job you know you do right by you, you do you do right by you know your own you know you do right by your own you know um traditionally where's the police there for the police is there for to maintain public order this is the the PC answer there to maintain public order, safety, enforce the law, prevent, detect crime, investigate crime functions known as policing, you know, entrusted, you know, with that that community. That being said, I believe that police department should be a reflection of the people of the community in which they police, you know, and that's not effective in New York as it is and throughout the country, you know. Many of the police departments do not reflect, you know, who lives in the community. So that you can't be able to understand, you know, what you know, what, what the community is entail, you know, what, what goes. I've come on a job with police officers that never rode the that never rode the train before and they mm. became transit cops. You know, I work with police officers that never been into a New York City NYCHA development, a housing project. Never. Many of them, you know do not come from our communities, you know? So, uh, and plenty of, plenty of police officers that I came on a job with back in 1992, you know, a lot of them, this is the first time they had interactions with people of color, with black mm. people, you know? And many of them come, come from the outer barrels and and you know, at one point it got on Mayor, Mayor Dinkins because he tried to change that paradigm and try to, you know, put in, that, you know, you should live within the city, you know, you know, if, if, if you are within the city, you know what, we're going to give you extra points to take this exam, you know, um, we're going to um, try to, you know, make the police department reflective of, you know, what, you know, the city is that great quote unquote mosaic, you know, that he said in his speech, you know, but you have a system that's already built and, you know, that combats this, you know, and these police unions are powerful, you know, and you know what? They don't want to give up that bag. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they don't want to give up that bag. So they're going to protect, you know, their own in order to keep that, to, to, to keep that, to, to, to keep that flow there. You know, uh, certain people might not like the way I'm talking right now, but hey, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. They don't want to give up that bag. You but know? and I, so, I think,
1: but that's the thing is like it, it's it doesn't matter if people like what you're saying because what you're saying is your truth and your truth as a yeah. veteran of twenty years is that you know the motivation behind why people treat us badly and I I know one thing I remember uh, growing up there was a show called uh, Blue Shield what was it Blue Shield what was it with Michael Chiklis um, on ABC and they were talking about it's such a it's such a gritty New York City police drama and I think one thing that came out of this conversation about uh, um, the rebellion and police brutality and excessive forces, like how much we are conditioned to enjoy police television and movies. And we are kind of conditioned to, uh, to like uphold them like bad boy. I mean, I see more black cops on Hollywood than real life. a, A
0: lot of it, a lot of it is socialization too. You know, we gotta, we gotta realize, listen, you know, um, when you can't sit down with a, a, a lot of the offices that you work with and break bread at a table, you know, you have a problem. You know, there's an old African proverb that says, change starts in the home, you know? And you, you if you have embedded values in you and embedded norms in you, and you bring that to you to work, and you come into our communities and you treat our people like they're, they're less than nothing. See, you know,
2: I wanna I, to the- I wanna push back on that just for a moment though. You know, uh-huh. um th- there's a there's a thing, you know, where I I get it, uh that most uh most cops are uh, 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 people, right? Human beings, motherfuckers yeah. not monsters, but there's a there's a cohesion, right? You know, yeah. you, you speak about the police union, but the police union Um, is not there, uh, in the moment by moment on the, on the ground, there's a cohesion and it was very, uh, very well illustrated with this elderly gentleman Mm -hmm. that was, uh, that was attacked by the police officers talk and about buffalo In buffalo, mm-hmm. buffalo yeah and huh buffalo. yeah exactly yeah and there's a the the moment old old in that video yeah. there's a moment in that video that's very illustrative of a problem that is um that that's a heart and mind problem <laughs> that's not a Which that's one? not a so They pushed that gentleman over. Those two police officers, they're Uh now suspended, fired, whatever the case may be. A third police officer bent down to assist that man. To to assist that man, and And, and and, what did the other one do? Backed them off. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so in that moment, there was no police union to be thought of. It was it was. We don't give a fuck about this gentleman. We must keep going. Then there was another moment where they wrote this up on a police report and Mm -hmm. 20-some police officers agreed that what they saw there did not really happen. That that man was, that that he tripped. And that was going to be the official story, right? And then wait, and then there was another moment and then there was another moment where uh, uh, now they're caught, there's a video of this, they're caught these these two officers who were the aggressors of fire and rather than everyone be like great the bad apples are gone they decide to leave and i think what a lot of people don't do is they don't finish the fucking statement the statement is bad apples spoil the bunch so it, this is a, a a a systemic problem but it's also a heart and mind problem they're on they're on a team the, the policing team is not made to um, protect and serve. It's just not. Yeah. And I just I just want to
1: bring in Michelle yeah. because Michelle, you uh you have a unique experience which is that you have seen both sides, you know, as a as a, a criminal attorney in the ADA's office, you see the real people, you hear the voices like such as Elsa's, the people who are on the ground, and you also hear and deal with the law enforcement. So I just wanted to hear from you what your experience was like in that position and and what is and where do you stand having been on that side? of the legal system of defunding the police?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I would start off by saying that um, I, I believe and acknowledge that there are good police officers within our system. I think that um, to the point um, Elsa was making earlier about bad apples can spoil the bunch, it really depends upon what precinct or what jurisdiction you're working in. I think the The situation in Buffalo is absolutely disgusting, and it is um, indicative of what um, their higher-ups in Buffalo are doing there and imparting to the officers that are in Buffalo. Um, I feel like, you know, while I understand defunding the police, and I do agree that officers are not equipped to have conversations that have to do with homelessness Um, and different social issues, like I think that's been proven time and time again. Um, If we want to reform the police system, that is going to take money to do that. So um, I do agree that some of the money that is going to the police should be reallocated, and maybe that's a better word, to different initiatives and programs that help the youth. But at the end of the day, what I think has been most um, impactful think over the last four or five weeks that um, everyone's been really tuned into this, is that officers, in my opinion, should be equipped and it should be mandated on their patrol to wear body cameras. And those cameras and that footage should be housed with an independent agency, third party, because I think to the point that Elsa was making earlier, um, police officers are encouraged to stick with blue even though that uh, sticking with blue may fly in the face of what happened in reality. And similar to what happened um, down in Atlanta, where those students were dragged out of their cars, and but for having that video, I don't think that um, we would have been able to actually see how egregious the officer's actions were. And to that end, I would also say that, um, unfortunately, that's probably why Breonna Taylor's case is still out there kind of pending in the wind because we don't have video video is very powerful in this and i think in order to hold officers more accountable that is a necessary requirement as a part of their their patrol duties and that's why um that's why i'm not a huge proponent of defunding because if you really want to reform reform takes money
2: yeah, well, I yeah. want to push back on that because we have plenty of video of plenty of things all over. And we've had videos of, of police brutality all over the place. And we still see a pattern of non-convictions. So we can have these things where we're, we have the video I and mean, there's an uproar. Um, but I am loath to any idea that actually gives the police more money. The, the cameras, you know, we've had body cameras. We have body camera footage. We have surveillance footage. We have uh, bystander footage. Footage does not um, guarantee convictions or attention. Uh, I I am loath to any idea that gives them more money and yeah. giving them the, they can turn these cameras off. The cameras can be manipulated. Um, but that's why you would hold
3: it with an independent third party. And, hey, and I would nice.
2: I would. I would just say that
3: even though we do have video we don't have video for every single instance every single instance that a um, ccrb complaint the civilian complaint review board is made like you're hopeful and reliant that there is this video and what we've seen time and time again a police officer's paperwork can refute that and so it becomes he said she said i think that yeah. If we have video and it's mandated to wear and you're not giving it to the police department to control a mandate, that's how we get a better rein on how police officers are patrolling in our community. And I'm not saying that's a silver bullet. I think it's one of many different approaches that we need to take. But I don't think that we can defund the police department
2: and expect better behavior from them. Okay, so mm-hmm. I oh, just absolutely, to, there will be things oh. that will fill in the gaps, mm-hmm. right? I'm not. I'm in fact, I'm not even asking for better behavior from the police. I'm asking uh, for when you misbehave, for shit to happen to you. Um, it does not matter. You why not I
0: mean? you asking for better behavior? Because no, no, you know no. What? I mean, I mean, absolutely, better behavior. Hold we can't legislate people's hearts and minds. We can just legislate. When the first when the first oaths you take as becoming a police officer is in partnership with the community we trust in partnership in the community we trust mm-hmm. that, but that means, do you hold that to, but 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 yeah, but do you hold that in your heart? And that
1: that is absolutely true because if you if you know if you don't know in, in 2006 the the fbi did an exhaustive survey and they found that the white supremacists have been infiltrating police departments all across the country not only were they infiltrating police departments but they were uh being elected in in local and in city and federal positions and so that helped shift Policy and so, when we talk about defunding the police, you also have to have the conversation about the politicians who agreed for those budgets in the first place. And so, of course, when you look at Los Angeles and the mayor, um, Grissetti, um, saying that he's going to do- donate a couple million dollars when the budget is a billion then it, it looks like a drop in the bucket. And even here in New York City, when you see how big the budget is and you see that they've cut, I mean, just recently, um, Mayor de Blasio had this huge um, campaign that was going to help house and educate LGBTQ um, kids, teenagers and young adults so that they can dr- transition to the real world. And the program was a couple hundred thousand dollars, if that they had all of mm-hmm. this. Uh, I think it was Unite. It the Thrive program, I believe so, right? So they had the banners and they had flyers all over the city. Wasn't that wasn't that eight hundred and fifty million? No, 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 not that at all. No, no, no. This was and for like program? a small. No, this was for a small, um, a small budget for LGBTQ young adults to help them transition and give them coping mechanisms and therapy and all that stuff. And they cut that budget because they said that the city had to reassess its budget because of the COVID virus, the pandemic. And so when you hear them just so quickly, automatically saying, oh, we got to cut this and chop this and end this and blah, blah, blah. But then Governor Cuomo, who everybody thought was like, you know, the Terminator coming in here trying to set shit straight. He recently hired 500 additional cops to work the transit system. Yes. MTA. MTA cops. And what is the MTA cops job to do? their job is to make sure that the working and poor class people of New York City don't jump the turnstiles. And so to me, it's like, now when you hire 500 500 additional cops, you're covering their pension, their salary, their health insurance, just so that they can stand at the turnstile and make sure that somebody doesn't jump a $2.75 fare. And so I agree that there needs to be a retraining. I agree that the budgets need to be reassessed. When I hear defund the police, what I hear is we have to stop putting police departments above the everyday average person. Because yeah, if well, you don't in ha- most
2: cities, in most cities, the police department takes the majority of the budget. And yeah. when I say that policing is ineffective, what I'm saying is that there are very, there's so many studies that show that increased policing or increased police presence does not deter crime that there are so many studies that say that crime after the fact police are awful at solving crime after the fact so what is their uh uh function is revenue generation
3: i would say i don't agree with the statement that police uh, are awful yeah. at solving crimes after uh, the fact yeah. i they mean they are but but then how do you solve crimes? Like they're not going to be there when the crime happens. No,
2: yeah, but I'm saying if your shit gets robbed, you, the 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 chance of you getting that those items back, not good. If right, you get but I raped, think the chance of getting the perpetrator death.
3: of that crime, like I, like that's I, I definitely agree with you about police budgets being like half of whatever city budgets there are, and those funds should be reallocated. But I think what you're proposing, like. I, if, what are you proposing as an alternative to when crimes happen?
2: Okay, so I'm proposing as... There's plenty of alternatives, right? So imagine somebody's having a mental breakdown, right? That's well, not a not crime, though. That's, that's not a crime. Wait, wait, wait. I know, it's not that, a crime. That's a mental but health issue. Calls, that's but not it, a crime. Right, but but people call 911 and then the police show up. But
3: you, uh, I, I just want you to focus on, like, oh. the robbery thing being a crime. Like, what are you proposing is an alternative to police officers handling crimes if we don't have them?
2: Oh, Okay in that sense that would be a, a something for a police officer what I'm saying is our police force is given is given too much responsibility I agree to do too much I agree and so we should take funds away from them showing up for every single call trying to be responsible for every single thing because they are not effective at doing so if they're not effective at solving crimes after the fact like a robbery or a rape maybe if we didn't call them to show up for a, a mental health breakdown we and that that is solved by somebody else That is worked out by somebody else. Maybe there's more resources to figure out your robbery or your rape. Okay, I
3: see what you're saying. You're saying basically, if you if you really allocate the direction or the attention of police to mental health crises, to maybe domestic violence issues, that they would get to the scene closer in time to a robbery happen happening in order
2: to solve it. No, no, no. It's not even. It's not even that. I'm saying there's a rape kit sitting right now that needs to be investigated. You hear about all the time evidence sitting that needs to be investigated meanwhile there's 500 cops in the subway is what i'm saying the money is not going to the right the policing is right. not being done properly right so yeah. if the money yeah. went to the right places that's what i mean when i i mean ultimately again there should be because the the, the places in our country that are the safest do not have more police the countries in our uh, the places in our country that are the safest mm-hmm. have more resources they have more jobs they have better schools Which places are those All this th- White places. Exactly. I didn't want to say it, but you did. No, you
0: you have
1: to say it. You have (laughs) to say white places. And (laughs) let me say really quickly, I can attest as someone who's traveled this country through and through, and I've been to middle America and red States more than I ever imagined in my life. I could go days in a small town or even a middle a moderately sized town without seeing police. I may see a sheriff car, but
2: I'm not seeing police patrol. And And I do think that people is that places of high police presence do not um, automatically translate to places of high crime they just that's where they decided to put the police that's where they decided to put the money that's what they decided to do with the resources it's not that the it's not even that the black community lacks in resources they just decide what they do with our resources right and that's where they decide to put it so i'm saying defund all of that bullshit Take all them cops up out the subway for minor crimes. All these cops you see standing around on our corners doing what? Mm-hmm. They're not solving no crimes and they're not deterring crimes either because studies show that too. That's just money. Standing Says on who? the corner. So, so,
1: so I want to so take it to Ty. Ty, <laughs> please, as a, a 20-year NYPD nah, nah, nah. veteran, what is I'm your... Just, I-
0: I'm just going to ask her, uh, you know, like, my thing is this. You know, I'm a doctoral candidate. You know, I'm studying for my PhD right now, and what, and what, and one of the major things that one of my professors always say is, "You quote and you, you're stating, you're stating your facts, but I want to know," says who, you know? Yeah. If, I mean, if you're going to say something, if you're going mean, to say I can, something, I, 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 I want to know. Okay. I, if you want to say something, over, I want to know. I want to know the I'm substance, not, substance. I'm not talking
2: it. out the side of my neck.
0: You know, when I, 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 I want to so, know. No, no, I, no. I, I hold, hold on one, one second. Substance. I just,
1: well, this is go the go thing. On. I think that, I think that all of you have brought very good viewpoints and that's why I wanted this panel of real people who can speak to the, the headlines and the hot, the hot phrases that we hear thrown around. And I do think it is a very complicated, uh, Problem and it's not something that you can solve on a show like this. It is legislation, it's policy, it's voting, it's activism, it's rioting, it's all of these things. Uh, Yeah, right, writing, looting as well helps push the needle for progress and change.
0: We live in a real world, it's not Disney World. Absolutely, real world. So, let me ask real things, and and, and that realistically speaking, you know, the tightening of police, um, departments' budgets is not a bad idea, Mm -hmm. you know. You know, but you have to have a thorough review of where you're spending that money, you know, yeah. and where that money is warranted, you know. And with that being said, you've got to have program effectiveness to determine what factors, you know, contribute to these budgets yearly and within that yearly cycle.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and, did-
0: and, 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 that, and, and that's what I thought that this conversation was going to get to, you know. But there are responsible police officers out there that want to do their job. Now, you keep saying, oh, you got 500 officers in the transit system. Listen, if a crime happens in the transit system, you know what? That's not only felt here within New York City, but that 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 that, that tremor is felt worldwide. You know, there are two major places that are overly policed in New York City. And those two major places are what? The transit system, because you have an influx of customers constantly going through the system every day, and Central Park. You know why? Because it's one of the most famous places in the world. And what's the major economic catalyst of New York City? Tourism. Tourism. Absolutely. You know? And where we have to bring people into the city for our economy to help it grow and help it maintain itself.
3: The you one know? thing I would interject there, though, Ty, to Elsa's point, yeah. I notice a disproportionate way in which the transit system is policed in Harlem, where I live, and in lower mm-hmm. Manhattan. And uh-huh. I, I see police officers basically, I'll call it sting operations, but waiting for uh-huh. young Black Let's kids talk
0: about it. to Let's jump talk about over
3: it. T- turnstiles. Mm-hmm. On one hundred and thirty fifth Street. Meanwhile, you have tourists doing the same thing in same Times exactly. Square, and they don't say the anything about it. So to Elsa's point, I do, I do agree that you know Cuomo sending in five hundred officers to, to to address turnstile jumps is a misallocation it's a waste
2: of the money. The time. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. That's a misallocation and, and, and of where the funds about, go. let what about I the would money say spent but, in policing in the subway. I'm right? Sorry, for, for all the money that's spent. For arresting fair beaters, a two seventy five dollar offense. We've done the numbers and shown that every single New Yorker that rides the subway with that money that we use on arresting black and brown New Yorkers, which is 98 percent of fair beaten arrest, even though most New Yorkers, regardless of race, have claimed that they have done this. Right. So that's disproportionate right then and there. Right. That same money that be, that can that's used to enforce fair. We've we've done the numbers on this. Every single New Yorker can get a free or reduced price metro car that reduce that eliminates the problem right there. So now, now like, Elsa,
1: I just I'm... wait really quickly. Elsa, I just want to clarify when you say we what organization are you speaking on behalf of where this research was done?
2: OK, we could uh, you can look at uh, I used to work for uh, the Riders Alliance uh that's a grassroots organization of subway and bus riders who uh organize for accessibility affordability and reliability with the subway you could also look up hashtag swipe it forward there's lots of information with um with swipe forward swiper forward is also a, a grassroots organization uh in direct response to the over policing in the subways mm-hmm. um there's lots of information about that as well so i'm not just talking out my neck and that's just one thing that's ridiculous about policing in New York, okay, you guys? That's just one thing, that we've spent this much money to attack people for 275 and then when you think about, when you talk about the MTA, if I, if I don't pay my fare uh, 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 on the LIRR, or I don't pay my fare on, on some commuter train, you get a ticket for the price of the ticket. But if I don't pay my fare, my 275 here in the city... Then that's a hundred and twenty-five dollar ticket. So if I don't got two seventy-five, how do I got one twenty-five? That's criminalizing poverty and the NYPD. That's part of the uh, the, the school to prison pipeline because when you look at who's getting arrested for this, and Michelle just said it, it's 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 children. Okay, mm-hmm. and 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 that's money out of my taxes. Yeah, to go to that type of policing. Defund Absolutely. that shit. So
3: I, I would say that I think to Ty's point, um, definitely understanding Elsa's position is to defund it. But to Ty's point, I feel like taking a closer look at how money is being spent on NYPD, and hopefully yes. um, De Blasio can take a closer look at that, where it's disproportionately negatively impacting Black and Brown people, where it's not necessary, mm-hmm. um, and then taking some of those funds and using them towards like initiatives like. Um, LGBTQ youth and um, mental health responsiveness, not, and not we can shift
2: I'm sorry. So he's not listening. He reloaded. He is. He I'm is.
3: Listening. I'm listening. Um, I'm and shifting that I'm to, um, <laughs> you know, shifting that away from PD because they're not <laughs> to doing that. But um, yeah. I definitely would like to see more police reform, and I think the only way to do that is with body cameras. Now, Quite,
1: I really just simple. want. Now, I think that. We had a really good conversation here and I don't wanna talk in circles. I do want us to just quickly, um, each person just give what you think policing should be in the future. And if you agree or disagree with the sentiment of defunding police, Michelle, I'll start with you.
3: Um, I think technology needs to be included in policing of the future. I think that's the only way to hold officers truly accountable and allow it to be more of the community first versus blue first. Um, I do, I agree with defunding the police in part, but I think in order to incorporate technology, we're ultimately gonna need funds to do that. Um, so I think, you know, taking a closer look at ties at t- taking a closer look at police budget to Ty's point is an effective way to do that.
1: Okay, Elsa, um, what do you hope policing looks like in the future?
2: Uh. In my ideal future, I would hope that we wouldn't even have um a a police force in the way that it operates now. The police would be called in for emergencies. When when there when there is something going on in the community, the community would handle it itself. That's how white folk do it. Mm. The white the white the white folk don't have more police. They have less police. The police do a lot less in their neighborhood.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ty?
0: All right. When I when I think about this, I think we should look at it, you know, at, at, at two different frames. I think we should look at it as um, from a political aspect. You know, we should look at it from an economical aspect. We should look at it from a socio aspect. And to reiterate what Michelle said, we should look at it at a technological aspect. You know, and that be include. You can also include environmental, and you can also yeah. include legalistic. You know, so we should. We should do this pestle analysis of the police department, you know, to get to the root of where we want to go with this. Um, Far as technology, um, you know, I've been removed from the NYPD for the past, what, eight years now. I retired in 2012. Um, In 2012, we did not have body cameras. You know, they weren't, you know, um, they weren't incorporated into policing was more like a pilot program, Mm -hmm. you know, before I retired. But since those eight years, you know, now they do have body worn cameras, you know, and it's mostly um, um, out to all the um, precinct units now. So they do have them in New York now, um, you know. But uh, and that, that being that being told, you know, what we should there, there should be accountability, you know, when it comes to these body worn cameras and um, within policing, like Michelle said, you know. There has to be someone that's gonna have to take account to yeah. this, you know. Well, you I gotta
1: wrap up, Elsa. I gotta wrap up, Elsa. Okay. All right. Um, thank you so much to my amazing panel Sorry. for um being here. Um, and this, like I said, this is my my <laughs> debut show, and um, it's called Chloe. Acro- it's called Chloe across America. Hold on, let me get my fancy banners up. Um, new episodes Monday through Thursday at ten p.m. Um, Let me show you my little logo. Here it is, Chloe Across America. And um, thank you so much for joining. I I do want to say this. I want to say thank you to all the people who were in the comments, who uh, showed up and showed out. I just want to highlight some of the things. uh, Not to call you out, Danielle, but you said I jumped the turnstile as a college student and I got a $100 ticket. Um, I was always too big to jump the turnstile because I'm 6'1 and they could see me coming. So I actually would just step over it but that's a story for another time. Um, (laughs) then also I wanted to see another person here left a comment. Um, thank you so much, Cammie. Um, it was a much needed conversation. I appreciate you for joining me tonight. So just so you know, like I said, this show is going to be Monday through Thursday at 10 PM. Tomorrow's episode, we will be talking about art as a form of protest. I have an amazing panel of muralists, street artists, and, and graphic designers and illustrators who work with corporations, and we're going to have a conversation about what it means to uh, use your art as a platform. And it was sparked for, for me with the mayor of D.C. who um, kind of commissions Black Lives Matter be drawn in the street, um, which is interesting because she... Mayor Bowser has a history of being anti-public speak in art, public art. So that's a whole nother conversation for tomorrow. Um, what else can I end with? Um, let me put up my little Venmo donation uh, because I'm doing this all alone and I want to get to a position where I can hire a staff to help me. So if you found it in your heart that you were entertained or informed this evening on my debut episode of Chloe Across America, please, please, please. Um, send me some money, <laughs> that sounds crazy, but it's real um, so that I can make this a better production because this is something that I've been um, talking about doing for a really long time. And I had to pull the trigger, shout out to Tim Moore, shout out to Mary Pryor, uh, shout out to Gabe uh, for standing on, standing on me and making sure that I got it done. So um, thank you so much to everyone who tuned in I will be here tomorrow night at 10 o'clock sharp. Hopefully we can figure out our Instagram issues. And also this is a big thing. I have a phone number for the show, right? And so I want to hear from you. If you watch the show, or even if you watched it in repeat, you can call or text me, call or text me at this number, leave a voicemail, right? We're taking it old school talk show style, leave a voicemail. This is a number, Call it, leave a voicemail, or send me a text message uh, about what you thought about the show. If you leave a voicemail message, I'm letting you know now that... I will probably play the audio. So don't leave a voicemail unless you want to hear your voice on the show. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to tune into Chloe Across America. We want to hear from you. And that's why we have these amazing panels of real people, real people who have real life experience to talk about the things that we're all discussing. I appreciate each and every one of you. Have a great night. Be safe. Bye-bye.